0: CHAPTER THREE OF OLGA Romanoff BY GEORGE GRIFFITH This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. ZARINA OLGA Three days after his death, the body of Paul Romanoff was reduced to ashes in the Highgate crematorium, a magnificent building in the sombre yet splendid architecture of ancient Egypt, which stood in the midst of what had once been Highgate Cemetery and what was now a beautiful garden shaded by noble trees and in summer ablaze with myriads of flowers not a grave or a headstone was to be seen for burial in the earth had been abolished throughout the civilized world for nearly a century in the vast galleries of the central building thousands of urns containing the ashes of the dead reposed in niches inscribed with the name and date of death but these mostly belonged to the poorer classes for the wealthy as a rule devoted a chamber in their own houses to this purpose the body was registered in the great book of the dead at the crematorium as that of paul ivanich and the only two mourners signed their names sergey ivanich and olga ivanich grandchildren of the deceased the reason for this was that for more than a century the name of romanoff had been proscribed in all the nations of europe it was believed that the Vladimir Romanov who had been executed by the Supreme Council for attempting to solve the forbidden problem was the last of his race, and Paul had taken great pains not to disturb this belief. Long before his son had met with his end he had called himself Paul Ivanich, and settled in London and practised his profession as a sculptor in which he had won both fame and fortune. Olga had lived with him since her father's death and sergey who at the time the narrative opens, had just completed his studies at the Art university of rome had passed as her brother they took the urn containing the ashes of the old man back with them to the house which now belonged with all its contents to olga and sergey on the morning after his death a notice accompanied by an abstract of his will had been inserted in the official gazette the journal devoted exclusively to matters of law and government. Paul Romanov had however left two wills behind him, one which had to be made public in compliance with the law and one which was intended only for the eyes of Olga and Sergei. This second will reposed with the crown of Russia in the secret recess in the wall of the octagonal chamber, and the instructions endorsed upon it stated that it was to be opened by Sergei in the presence of Olga after they had brought his ashes back to the house and had been legally confirmed in their possession of his property consequently on the evening of the eleventh the two shut themselves into the room and olga who since her grandfather's death had worn the key of the recess on a chain around her neck unlocked the secret door and gave the will to sergey as she did so a sudden fancy seized her she took the crown from its resting-place and standing in front of a long mirror which occupied one of the eight sides of the room from roof to floor poised it above the lustrous coils of her hair with both hands and said half to sergey and half to herself what
1: age could not accomplish youth shall do by my own right and viz my own hands i am crowned zarina empress of the rushes in europe and asia as the great Catherine was so will i be and more for i will be mistress of the west and the east i will have kings for my vassals and senates for my servants and i will rule as no other woman has ruled before me since Semiramis.
0: as she uttered the daring words whose fulfilment seemed beyond the dreams of the wildest imagination she placed the crown upon her brow and stood clothed in imperial purple from head to foot the very incarnation of loveliness and royal majesty sergey looked up as she spoke and gazed for a moment entranced upon her then he threw himself upon his knees before her and raising the hem of her robe to his lips said in a voice half choked with love and passion and i who am also of the imperial blood will be the first to salute you tsarina and mistress you have taken me as your lover let me also be the first of your subjects i will serve you as woman never was served before you should be my mistress my goddess and your words shall be my laws before all other laws if you bid me do evil it shall be to me as good and i will do it i will kill
1: or live alive according to your pleasure and i will hold my own life as cheap
0: as any other in your service for i love you and my life is yours olga looked down upon him with the light of triumph in her eyes no woman ever breathed to whom such words would not have been sweet but to her they were doubly sweet because they were a spontaneous tribute to the power of her beauty and the strength of her royal nature and an earnest of her future sway over other men more than this too they had been won without an effort from the lips of the man whom she had always been taught to look upon as higher than other men in virtue of his descent from her own ancestry and the blood rights that he shared with her to that throne which it was to be their joint life task to re-establish if she did not love him it was rather because ambition and the inborn lust of power engrossed her whole being than from any lack of worthiness on his part Of all the men she had ever seen none compared with him in strength and manliness save one and he bitter beyond expression as the thought was to her was so far above her as she was now that he seemed to belong to another world and to another order of beings as their eyes met a thrill that was almost akin to love passed through her soul and acting on the impulse of the moment she took the crown from her own head and held it above his as he knelt at her feet and said
1: not as my subject or my servant but as my co-ruler and helpmate you shall keep that oath of yours sergey nikolovich we have exchanged our vows and in a few days i shall be your wife we will wed as equals and so now i crown you as it is my right to do rise my lord tsar and take your crown
0: Sergei. Put up his hands and took the crown from hers at the moment that she placed it on his brow he rose to his feet holding it on his head as he said solemnly so be it and may the god of our fathers help me to wear it worthily with you
1: and to restore it to the glory that has been taken from it by our enemies
0: then he laid it reverently down on the table and turned to olga who was still standing before the mirror Looking at her own lovely image, as though in a dream of future glory, he took her unresisting in his arms and kissed her passionately again and again, bringing the bright blood to her cheeks and the light of a kindred passion to her eyes, and murmuring between the kisses "But you darling, averse all the crowns of earth, and I am still your slave because your beauty and your sweetness make me so then slaves you shall be she said giving him back kiss for kiss well knowing that with every pressure of her intoxicating lips she riveted the chains of his bondage closer upon his soul to an outside observer what had taken place would have seemed but little better than boy and girl's play the fantasy of two young and ardent souls dreaming a romantic and impossible dream of power and glory that had vanished never to be brought back again and yet if such a one had been able to look forward through little more than a single lustrum he would have seen that in the mysterious revolutions of human affairs it is usually the seemingly impossible that becomes possible and the most unexpected that comes to pass the secret will of paul romanoff to the study of which the two lovers addressed themselves when they awoke from the dream of love and empire into which olga's fantasy had plunged them both would if it had been made public have given a by no means indefinite shape to such vague dreams of world revolution as were inspired in thoughtful minds even in the thirty-first year of the twenty-first century it was a voluminous document of many pages embodying the result of nearly eighty years of tireless scheming and patient research in the field of science as well as in that of politics paul romanoff had lived his life with but one object and that was to prepare the way for the accomplishment of a revolution which should accumulate in the subversion of the state of society inaugurated by the terrorists and the re-establishment at any rate in the east of europe of autocratic rule in the person of a scion of the house of romanoff All that he had been able to do towards the attainment of this seemingly impossible project was crystallized in the document bequeathed to olga and sergey it was divided into three sections the first of these was mostly of a personal nature and contained details which it would serve no purpose of use or interest to reproduce here it will therefore suffice to say that it contained a list of names and addresses of four hundred men and women scattered throughout europe and america each of whom was the descendant of some prince or noble some great landowner or millionaire who had suffered degradation or ruin at the hands of the terrorists during the reorganization of society after the final triumph of the anglo-saxon federation in 1904 the second section of the will was of a purely scientific and technical character It was a theoretical arsenal of weapons for the arming of those who if they were to succeed at all could only do so by bringing back that which it had cost such an awful expenditure of blood and suffering to banish from the earth in the days of the terror the designs of paul romanoff and the vast aspirations of those to whom he had bequeathed the crown of the great catherine could have but one result if they ever passed from the realm of fancy to that of deeds if the clock was to be put back only the armed hand could do it and that hand must be so armed that it could strike at first secretly and yet with paralyzing effect the few would have to array themselves against the many and if they triumphed it would have to be by the possession of some such means of terrorism and irresistible destruction as those who had accomplished The revolution of 1904 had wielded in their aerial fleet by far the most important part of this section of the will consisted of plans and diagrams of various descriptions of airships and submarine vessels accompanied by minute directions for building and working them most of them were from the hand of vladimir romanov olga's father but of infinitely more importance even than all these was a detailed description on the last page but two of the section of the solution of a problem which had been attempted in the last decade of the nineteenth century but which was still unsolved so far as the world at large was concerned this was the direct transformation of the solar energy locked up in coal into electrical energy without loss either by waste or transference how vast and yet easily controlled a power this would be in the hands of those who were able to wield it may be guessed from the fact that in the present day less than ten percent of the latent energy of coal is developed as electrical power even in the most perfect systems of conversion all the rest is wasted between the furnace of the steam engine and the dynamo it was to electrical power obtained direct from coal and petroleum that vladimir romanov trusted for the motive force of his airships and submarine vessels, and which he had already employed with experimental success as regards the former, when his career was cut short by the swift and pitiless execution of the sentence of the Supreme Council. The remainder of this section was occupied by a list of chemical formulae for the most powerful explosives then known to science, and minute instructions for their preparation. At the bottom of the page which contained these, there was a little strip of parchment, fastened by one end to the binding of the other sheets, and covered with very small writing. Olga's eyes wandering down over the maze of figures which crowded the page, reached it before Sergey's did. One quick glance told her that it was something very different to the rest. She laid one hand carelessly over it, and with the other softly caressed sergey's crisp golden curls as he looked around in response to the caress their eyes met and she said in her sweet low witching voice dearest i have a favour to ask of you not a favour to ask but a command to give you mean speak and you are obeyed have i not sworn obedience he replied laying his hands upon her shoulder and drawing her lovely face closer to his as he spoke no it is only a favour she said with such a smile as antony might have seen on the lips of cleopatra i want you to leave me alone for
1: a little time for half an hour and then come back and finish reading with me you know my brain is not as strong as yours and i feel a little bewildered With all the wonderful things that there are in this legacy of my father's father. Before we go any further, I should like to read it all through again by myself, so as to understand it thoroughly. So suppose you go to your smoking room for a little and leave me to do so. I shall not take very long, and then we will go over the rest together.
0: But we have only a couple more pages to read, sweet one, and then I will go over it all again with you and explain anything that you have not understood as he spoke sergey's eyes never wavered for a moment from hers could he but have broken their spell he might have seen that she was hiding something from him under her little white hand and shapely arm she brought her red smiling lips still nearer to his as she almost whispered in reply
1: well it is only a girl's vim after all but still i am a girl come now i will give you a kiss for twenty minutes solitude and then you come back and we have finished our task you shall have as many more as you like
0: the sweet tempting lips came closer still and the witching spell of her great dusky eyes grew stronger as she spoke how was he to know what was hanging in the balance in that fateful moment he was but a hot-blooded youth of twenty and he worshipped this lovely girlish temptress who had not yet seen seventeen summers with an adoration that blinded him to all else but her and her intoxicating beauty he drew her yielding form to him until he could feel her heart beating against his and as their lips met the promised kiss came from hers to his he returned it threefold and then his arm slipped from her shoulder to her waist and he lifted her like a child from her chair and carried her half laughing and half protesting to the door claimed and took another kiss before he released her and then put her down and left her alone without another word alas poor sergey she said as the door closed behind him you are not the first
1: man who has lost the empire of the world for a woman's kiss before I saw that you were my equal and helpmate, now you and all other men, yes, not even except in he who seems so far above me now, shall be my slaves and do my bidding so blindly that they shall not even know they are doing it. Yes, the weapons of war are worth much, but what are they in comparison with the souls of the men who will have to use them
0: in half an hour? sergey came back to finish the reading of the will with her the little slip of paper had been removed so skillfully that it would have been impossible for him to have even guessed that it had ever been attached to the parchment or that it was now lying hidden in the bosom of the girl who would have killed him without the slightest scruple to gain the unsuspected possession of it end of chapter three